This is episode number 382 with Dr. David Rubin and Catherine Fantalzi. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Dr. David is a board-certified psychiatrist and neuroscientist and is the co-founder and chief innovation officer at Apollo Neuroscience, the first scientifically validated wearable system to improve heart rate variability, focus, relaxation, and access to meditative states by delivering gentle layered vibrations to the skin. In addition to his clinical psychiatry practice, he is also the co-founder and executive director of the Board of Medicine and a psychedelic clinical researcher currently evaluating the mechanisms of psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy in treatment-resistant mental illness. Catherine is the co-founder and CEO of Apollo Neuroscience. Dedicated to innovation, she believes in getting good science out of the lab and into people's lives. As the CEO, Catherine has raised $4.5 million and built a highly skilled team of physicians, researchers, engineers, and designers to transform the Apollo technology from a futuristic concept into a simple but powerful tool. They are happily married and split their time between California and Pittsburgh. And in today's episode, we chat about what inspired them to take action and create the ultimate tool for stress relief, the science behind the Apollo, and the genius method it uses to help our bodies beat stress and achieve homeostatic balance. The mind-blowing benefits that Apollo has had on its users, including decreasing anxiety and panic attacks and improving sleep. How awesome is that? The impressive benefits that the Apollo has on children, especially during stressful times. We also chat about how this technology can be used to help during surgeries and even childbirth. This part really blew my mind. We also talk about all you need to know about heart rate variability and why it is so important to get to know our body's data in order to improve our health and why getting your sleep under control is so crucial for your well-being and the three easy practices anyone can use to rebalance their circadian rhythm, how coffee and alcohol are not only sabotaging your sleep cycle but contributing to heightened levels of stress in our bodies plus so much more. And for everything that we mentioned in today's show, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 382. I think stress and sleep and optimizing our health are such important topics that we all need to be reminded of. So let's get this party started and bring on the incredible Dr. David and Catherine. Dave and Catherine, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you both here with us. Before we dive in, can you each tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? We actually had the same thing for breakfast. We had a cup of coffee with a decaf coffee with oatmeal and fruit. Yep. That's it. I'm so excited to hear about your journey and how you guys got here. How did you create this incredible device, which I want to talk about, the Apollo. Where did this all start for you guys? So if you haven't gathered yet, Dave and I are partners, not only in business, but also in life. And Dave and I are married now, but at the time we were engaged. So where did Apollo come from? David is a psychiatrist and a neuroscientist, and he was developing this work at the University of Pittsburgh. And my background is getting things out of labs faster because the average time it takes for a discovery to get from what we call bench to bedside, so from the lab and into your hands is 17 years, which feels a little long 
liked me. (laughs) Way too long. And so we joined forces to bring this project out of the lab. But Dave, do you want to give a little background on kind of what motivated you to develop it and what Apollo is? Sure. So Apollo is a wearable technology that originally started as an idea back in 2014 in the lab at the University of Pittsburgh. And we were working on trying to figure out new ways to help people overcome the symptoms of treatment-resistant mental illness. So mostly focused on depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety disorders. And this was something, these were illnesses that people were getting, they were were frequently falling into a category of what was called treatment resistance, where they're getting prescribed multiple gold standard treatment recommendations by the psychiatrists and the doctors, and they're still not getting better. And this is really frustrating for the patients and frustrating for the doctors because everybody wants everybody to feel better and nothing's working. And this is, in the case of PTSD, this is over 50% of people with PTSD in the US fall into this treatment resistant category. And so we started to look at patterns between the illnesses and what happens when these illnesses, people with these illnesses are exposed to stress. And it turns out stress makes the symptoms in all these disorders worse. And then we started to say, well, are there any biomarkers that we can track that are characteristic of stress? And we started to look at the body and what had been done before. And we saw that there are in fact signs of the body, the heart rate, the the breathing that change with stress and that you can track these over time. And so we wanted to develop a technology that we, we knew that there was a, an imbalance in these folks that was well documented in the literature, scientific literature between our stress response being overactive and our recovery, rest and digest response being underactive and under-resourced over time. And that's a big part of burnout and chronic stress. And so we, we knew that certain techniques like deep breathing, biofeedback, mindfulness, yoga, meditation can deliver a stimulus that provides safety to the person and helps them feel better and work through their symptoms. And, but those techniques are hard and they take a lot of practice. And so we tried to create something that used all of the understood neurophysiology of how we cope with stress and how we overcome it to become stronger and grow with it and apply that to the body by helping people feel safe during situations that might otherwise trigger them to feel unsafe. And it's actually that self-reinforced or community-based reinforcement of the feeling of safety that helps us support us through overcoming stress, whether that's uh, getting through a day-to-day of a COVID-19 pandemic, or whether that's just doing your day-to-day work or taking care of your kids at home or whatever responsibilities you have on your plate. So Apollo was developed to basically give people something they could take on the go that delivers gentle vibrations to the skin that send safety signals to the body, just like somebody holding your hand when you're having a bad day or giving you a hug on a bad day or taking a deep breath that reminds us that we're safe in the moment and able to take control of how we feel in the moment. It sounds amazing. It's like the ultimate stress tool, right? And we all know that we are living in a time of chronic stress and this is not good for our health. We know this. Everyone knows this now that it's not good for your mind, it's not good for your body, it's not good for your soul to be in that constant state of stress. And so we need to pull on these tools like the Apollo and like you mentioned before, deep breathing, mindfulness, meditation, yoga. These are all incredible things that can really help decrease stress in our life. And I have to be really honest with you, I've only used the device a few times because my husband has stolen it And won't take it off. I literally had to get it off him for this interview because I wanted to have it here with me. But he loves it. He wears it during meditation, during kundalini yoga, during breath work, in the evening, preparing for bed, when he's sleeping. He uses it all the time and he loves it so much. And a friend of ours described it as wearable plant medicine. So let's talk about what it's actually doing. So for people who can't see this and are listening, it is like a little device that you wrap around. It's kind of like a little bracelet that you put around your ankle. So talk to us about what is actually happening because it might sound too good to be true for a lot of people. They might be thinking, okay, so I put this bracelet around my ankle and all my stress is gone. Can you talk to us about the science? What's actually happening and how is that decreasing stress in our body? Well, I think one of the most important things to understand is that it doesn't get rid of stress, right? Stress is all around us. 
what we have control over is how we respond to stress. And the challenge is that when you become chronically stressed out, you actually lose control of how you respond to stress because your resilience gets knocked down. If you think about it, if you don't put any fuel in the tank, the car won't continue to drive, right? And chronic stress essentially takes a toll on your nervous system such that your fight or flight response, which is there to keep you alive if a lion were to show up, is overactive which is why it's hard for us to focus. It's hard to unwind before bed. It's harder to actually be motivated to exercise or to drop into a meditation, right? If you meditate and you've ever sat there and had your mind flooded with thoughts and it's hard to clear them out, it's because you're primed to be in that stress state. And so what Apollo is, is a really simple, a very profound tool that harnesses our sense of touch to essentially stimulate the sense of safety in the brain, and then your body begins to regulate itself. And I think when we talk about why we did this, it's because meditation and mindfulness and deep breathing are all amazing tools, but they're not necessarily enough for everyone, and they're not necessarily enough to really combat what you're talking about, which is generally a mental health crisis right? We are not designed for this. Humans are amazing little evolvers, right? We are the kingdoms of our domain. But the amount of change that's happened in the last hundred years or so has been astronomical in terms of our evolutionary capacity. So of course, we're having trouble sleeping when everything's dinging and we have lots of artificial light and artificial sounds and not anything we were designed to do. And so Apollo is about using technology to actually help us be more human. And the way it works is actually very intuitive. If you think about how your nervous system responds to soothing touch, to soothing music, to soothing light, what happens is it increases parasympathetic activity. So the Apollo is simply an app and a wearable that sends sound waves that you can feel but not hear to your body. And so- Music for your skin. It's music for your skin, or I call it a body playlist. And the reason you're talking about your husband uses it for all these different things, he uses it to help him sleep and he uses it in yoga, he uses it to help him meditate. What he's doing is he's using the tool to help transition himself into that state. And he's doing it through his sense of touch. And so the way the waves work is they come and go. It feels like a, almost like a gentle ocean wave. And the ones that are more energizing are a little bit more like energizing music, kind of the tempo of that. And the ones that are slower actually feel more coming and going like an ocean wave. And what it's actually doing is stimulating your nervous system to come back into what we call homeostatic balance, which is it's allowing the parasympathetic, the rest and digest part of your nervous system to bounce back so that you have more control. And then when you're in that state of balance and equilibrium, you then have more control over how you pay attention and what you choose to pay attention to and what you choose to do with your time and how you choose to respond. So if you liken this to meditation, meditation is training your brain so that you have more control about how you respond to life, makes you more resilient. Apollo does the same thing. And so it can be a tool to help you kind of get back into balance and to get to the goal you want to get to. And when this all began, I think it's important to understand is that this all began as research in 2014. Our first double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled crossover trial was back in 2016. And we never built this. 2017. Well, it came, yeah. I think we never built this to start a company. We built this because Dave and I were really interested in finding new tools, new ways to help people overcome stress and be more resilient, kind of take back their control. Because when you feel good, you can do good for your community. When you feel good, you can do what you want to do. And it's better for all of us that we're more well and feeling better. And we thought mental health was in a crisis back in 2016. And, you know, we, wow, I had no clue. And so I think the important thing to understand is that this has gone through five years of clinical work and multiple clinical trials, including a double-lined randomized placebo-controlled trial that showed that compared to placebo, when both subject groups were blinded and active controls, that people's physiology changed as a result of using the device. People's heart rate variability improved, their heart rates came down, their breathing slowed down, they said they felt less stressed out, and when you measured their performance, like accuracy on tasks, it went up 
And the people who were the most stressed out got the most benefit. And so for us, when we saw the clinical trial results come back, we really couldn't let it sit on the shelf in the lab at the University of Pittsburgh. And that's how this all kind of came to be. Yeah. Awesome. What are some other benefits that you guys have seen people experience from using the Apollo? That's an interesting question. I think they range quite a bit. I think that the most common, well, so an interesting story, right? I think that speaks to this is about what you can learn in the lab and what you can learn in the real world. And when we first did this trial that Catherine mentioned before we even had a company when I was doing this research at the university, we found in the lab, because many of us in the lab were, you know, we had to focus for extended periods of time, do lots of deep focused work. We were mostly concerned about cognitive performance and mental performance accuracy and feeling calm during the day. We weren't really thinking about sleep or winding down at the end of the night, but we thought it was important. It just wasn't something we were really concerned about. We didn't even really test it in the study that much. And then we found after we did the study and the results came back that Catherine mentioned that they were so profound and unusual to get such good results that it was clear that this wasn't happening by chance. And so we said, well, to determine whether or not, and this was in good part Catherine's contribution, is to determine whether or not that, that this is actually something that is can be used in the real world the way that we see it used in the lab, which isn't always the case. We need to make prototypes and test it. And so Catherine ended up raising money um, and then making 400 prototypes. And we put them out into the world around regular people in trials with people who are sick and then also just out to the regular world. And one of the most fascinating findings came back, which is that despite how helpful we found Apollo to be, and we as in the whole clinical team, me and my clinical colleagues who are doctors on the, in the hospital using this every day, and people who are really finding it helpful for focus, the majority of people use it for sleep. And that was really incredible because it's really hard and expensive to do sleep studies in the lab. And also, they're only looking at the way people sleep in the lab, not at home, so they're not always accurate. And so we ended up doing a real-world study and found that overwhelmingly, sleep is by far the most interesting and, and frequent use case for us. And so that ended up steering us in another direction where we started to focus on the deeply relaxing and sleep focused modes that really wind people down or what we call de-escalate, coming down from intense focus, intense work, intense stress to deep relaxation, deep recovery, deep sleep. And then we focus on those in half of the frequencies in the app. And then the other half are really focused on wakeful, clear focus and socializing creativity. Another one that we found was creativity. This was really interesting and socializing the social and open, we didn't do a social task, but the social and open frequency from distributing these devices out into the world in our beta testing phase back in 2017, 2018, people came back to us and like, this took away my social anxiety. Stopped me from having panic attacks in public. Wow. It allowed me to speak publicly without being nervous. And we started hearing these things and we're like, oh, this is consistent. Like more and more and more people are saying the same things to us. And after talking to enough people, we're like, okay, our these people, these beta testers, they know what's up. Let's start testing this more. And we started testing it more and developing it more. And over time, that became all of the modes in the app that you have today. Amazing. Can you wear it 24-7 or do you advise not to wear it 24-7? So you can wear Apollo on your wrist or your ankle, but you can't overdo it with this. Essentially, the way it works is it helps your nervous system recover. So it supports your parasympathetic recovery part. So same thing that you would do from deep breathing or meditation or anything really soothing that helps you relax. So each program, each mode has a certain amount of time. So for instance, some of the wake-up modes you don't need to have on for very long to feel the effects. So five, 10 minutes, and you're probably pretty awake. Whereas some of the sleep modes, which are designed to help you kind of transition and then stay asleep, if you're someone who has a hard time falling asleep, are about two hours. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you want to re-engage it, you can just press both buttons at the same time that are on the device and it'll turn back on. So you don't need to like go and stare at your phone if you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I think the other thing to do is, you know, it's really good to just use it at a, at the, the sensory threshold. So what that means is turn it up to where you feel it, but more isn't more. So it's not like if you turn it up all the way, you get the max benefit. It's really about where, what feels good for your body. So if you turn up the volume to just where you notice it, 
and then it kind of fades into the background in a minute or two after wearing it, that's set right at the right level. What we find is if people turn it up all the way, sometimes it's distracting because it's, you know, cycling on their, on their ankle or their wrist. So right there where you just feel it is really the best case and you can't overdo it. So we find a lot of people that like to wear it like you're talking about all day long. Mm, that, that's my husband. That's why I don't get a look in guys. Like it's, he's stolen it off me. It's now his. And I'm, the more I talk to you guys, I'm like, this is it. That's it. I'm going to get that back off him and I'm going to use it because it's just. called water rights on you. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just incredible because ultimately we want to be in parasympathetic. We don't want to be in that fight or flight. Everything I do in my daily life is to make sure that I'm in a calm and stress-free state. I'm currently pregnant as well. So for me, it's like the ultimate chill. You know, I'm just like, how can I be more chilled and more calm throughout this whole pregnancy and beyond? Yes. And we also see people use it on their children a lot. In fact, Dave did a pilot trial with a clinic in the US in Pennsylvania that treats children that have ADHD and anxiety and autism spectrum disorder. We found pretty incredible results in about 15 kids. We saw an over 50% reduction in their anxiety scores when they used it. And so we've actually seen, we recently did a, a workshop on this with the woman who, the nurse Amy, who runs that clinic in the US to kind of go through this because whether or not kids have you know, any kind of diagnosis where they have an anxiety related condition or not, this has been a really stressful time for kids and families, right? You know, parents have had to really figure out how to be teachers and recess <laughs> attendance. And they really had to figure out how to also manage all their own work. And kids can't see each other in a lot of places, some places they can, but a lot of places in the US they can't. And so helping kids kind of learn to transition and manage their stress has been a topic that a lot of people and parents how to manage their stress too has been really important, particularly over the last, you know, nine months. I think one of the things that we're seeing that we see as commonly as mental health practitioners, but that we're seeing now globally, like worldwide as a major issue, particularly with COVID and how it's being handled is People feel more, and kids especially, feel more out of control of their, how, of their lives than ever because there's so much chaos going on around us all the time. And feeling out of control of our lives, but particularly feeling out of control of how we feel in any given moment is one of the single biggest proponents of anxiety. And so, again, we can't stop stress from coming. We can't stop stressful events from happening and challenging occurrences from happening. But what we can do is train ourselves as much as possible now in advance and, and all the time to be able to master as best we can these techniques of restoring a sense of control to ourselves. And that's actually what meditation, as Catherine was saying earlier, is, is all about. Movement meditation with yoga or sitting meditation is, is about like teaching ourselves and training ourselves how to optimize control of how we feel in any moment and really control over our experience in any moment. And that's what breath work is about. And so, but the, again, the problem is these things are hard. They're really, really hard and they could take years to master. So now that we're all in a crisis together, having something that can help bring us into that state, especially for children where many children have never been taught to feel in control of their own feelings or the way that they, their experience at all. And to give them that opportunity to feel in control in the moment of how they feel just makes all the difference for them. And then that actually changes a lot in the long run as well. And I think we see this with adults. With kids, it's much more prominent because they notice it. They notice instantly, like, I can control how I feel. This is amazing. So it's been really exciting to work with the kiddos in this, in this capacity. Yeah, it sounds amazing. What are your thoughts of me using this? This just came to me whilst I'm in labor and giving birth. I was just thinking, I have to use this whilst I'm in labor. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts on that? Have you done any studies? Is there any settings that you would recommend? 
That's a good question. So I can't tell you we've done studies on it because these studies, like sleep studies, are very difficult to do. We have had people use Apollo during painful procedures. So dental procedures, really common reports. People report feeling that it's really, really helpful to kind of ease them into the procedure and, and decrease a lot of the pain and discomfort and decrease the amount of anesthesia they need. I think from that perspective, and we haven't seen any contraindications, right? So there's, there's no, no groups of people who we found who can't use Apollo or shouldn't use Apollo. There are certain settings that work better for certain groups of people. And I would say the setting that works best for people when they're, you're in a situation that is potentially immediately stressful or painful, like a surgical procedure or giving birth would probably be the meditation and mindfulness mode. Or but, relax and unwind. Or relax and unwind, yeah. But I think that the, because those are really triggering of our breath, they really, they, they really work well to remind us to remember to breathe, which could not be more important when you're in pain or uncomfortable. And that's something that we breath, breath work, we use all the time with women giving birth. It's one of the most important things. And the more that you, that people practice that before they actually enter labor, then the better their experience is. So no studies yet. But I think given that there's no contraindications and we developed Apollo to work with vulnerable populations who aren't good candidates for medicine, if the option is I want to try my Apollo or I want to use a prescription medicine for pain or something, discomfort or something like that, might as well try your Apollo first. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'll report back to you guys with my personal anecdote of how it went and I will definitely wear it during labor. And let us, yeah, let us know how it goes. Case study number one. Yeah, exactly. Recently, my team and I were looking for a designer to create some new Instagram story and feed animations for this show. Because my usual designer is on maternity leave, that meant we had to look somewhere else. Then we came across Design Crowd. And I have to say, we were so impressed. Basically, Design Crowd is a website with hundreds of thousands of designers ready to help you create your perfect custom design. Whether that's a logo, website, book cover, or social media ad campaign, a quality design can make a huge difference to your overall engagement and success in a competitive market. There are over 900,000 super talented designers from around the world ready to submit creative ideas ensuring you get the perfect custom design every single time. Now, within hours of posting your job brief online, you'll receive your first design. And over the course of two to seven days, a typical project will receive 60 to 100 plus different designs. You then simply pick the best design and approve payment to the designer. That's it. How easy is that? Check out designcrowd.com forward slash Melissa that's D-E-S-I-G-N-C-R-O-U-D dot com forward slash Melissa to receive up to $150 off. And keep an eye out on my Instagram over the coming weeks to see what we created with Design Crowd. Talk to us about heart rate variability. What does this mean and why is it so important? So heart rate variability is a really, really fascinating biomarker. Biomarker just means a marker, a marker of the body that tells us about how the body's functioning. And it is what it actually means is the rate of change of our heartbeat with the environment over time. So as stressful things happen, we want our heart around us that are actually a potential threat to our survival, right? Like say, we notice that there's animal footprints around our camp, right? We want to be alert and aware to make sure that the animal is not a predator that could hurt or kill us or our children or family. And so we want our heart rate to go up quickly. We want our blood pressure to go up quickly. And we want our breath rate to go up quickly. And we want all of our bodily resources diverted to our skeletal muscles and our motor cortex and our fear center of our brain, our amygdala, and our heart and our lungs to get us out of that situation to survival. To run. Right, right. Fight, fight, or freeze <laughs> to the point of safety. And then once we get to safety, we want our heart rate to our body to recognize that, right? And we want our heart rate to quickly come back down, our blood pressure to quickly come back down, and our respiratory rate, breathing rate to quickly come back down to baseline, and our thoughts to slow down to, to normal so that we can then recover from that stress. 
and have resources get diverted then back to reproduction, creativity, resting, digesting, immunity, all the good stuff that makes our lives good, empathy, communication, relationships, etc. And so this is critically important because heart rate variability helps us to understand how good we are at switching and bouncing back from stress. So if we have high heart rate variability, if meaning that means that our heart our, our whole body, it's just a, it's a measure of our whole body looking, starting from the heart. And it means our whole body is really good at adapting to stress quickly, quickly adapting and dealing with the stress, and then quickly calming down and going back to, to baseline rest and recovery afterwards. And we don't spend a lot of time thinking about being stressed out or worrying about still being under threat after the threat is gone and we're safe. And that predicts, I should say, from the academic, athletic, and military literature, having a higher HRV heart rate variability predicts more parasympathetic tone, more rest and recovery, parasympathetic nervous system tone, more consistent peak performance, better attention control, better cognitive performance, better ability to get good, reliable sleep, better ability to recover from illness, and more resistance to illness, right? All the things we all want in our our lives. High HRV is a biomarker that predicts those things. Low HRV is everything that's the opposite. So it means that our stress response system is active more often than it should be, that our heart rate is higher more often than it should be, and that when stress comes, we're slower to react, and when stress is gone and safety comes, we're slower to calm down. And that predicts, in the literature, a higher rate of getting sick, a higher rate of burnout, a higher rate of, believe it or not, injury in sport, a higher rate of poor peak performance, like low consistency in performance. So more likely to make mistakes in intense performance situations and less ability to control attention and more anxiety and stress. And people with PTSD, depression, and anxiety disorders and insomnia, chronic pain, the major set of disorders that often overlap that I was working with in my clinic when we developed Apollo, all had low HRV. They are like the primary populations of people that have low HRV. So that's why this is such an interesting biomarker because it's the very first time that we can use a a marker from the body that we can measure through the skin to track not only the effects of stress on the body in the short term, but also the effects of the body chronically in the long term. Yeah. And those people who who are chronically stressed out, even if you don't have a health condition generally have lower HRV. And all it really means is your body's less resilient because it's constantly being strained. Right. And so, you know, ways that you can improve heart rate variability, Apollo does it through your sense of touch. Other things that improve heart rate variability are, you know, deep breathing exercises and, you know, actually a healthy balance of like, not extremely vigorous, like a HIIT workout exercise, but exercise and recovery, right? the exertion and and rest, all these things. And also, I think the number one thing really is good quality sleep. So going to bed at the same time every night, waking up at the same time every morning, trying to get good quality sleep and let your body rest is really, really important. I think the thing to make sure people understand about HRV though, is is that a magic number, right? So I know people who have HRV that's on average, like 50, 60. And I know people who have HRV that's 240 plus, right? And now those people are rare, <laughs> but I, I know them. And so the main thing is if you start tracking your HRV with, with a tracker, Apollo doesn't track heart rate variability, it just it improves it. But if you start wearing and tracking HRV to figure this out, just make sure that you look at what your trend is. Because just getting really fixated on, there's like a goal number to get to, generally makes it, it does, it's not really the point. Everybody's a little different. So it's really just, does it stay the same or continue to go up? And what is the relationship between your behavior and what happens to your heart rate variability? One of the most interesting things for me when I started tracking it was I'm Italian and I like red wine. I don't drink very much, but what I did notice is if I drank red wine at night with dinner, my HRV would tank 20 points. And so when you talk about how alcohol affects the immune system, makes you less resilient to to illness, makes you more tired, right? You know, messes up your hormones at night while you're sleeping. Like it definitely does. And I didn't really realize that relationship until I was tracking it. I was like, whoa, me and red wine after six o'clock are not a thing anymore, right? (laughs) And so you start to see, you know, what goes on in your behavior and and how you're supporting your own recovery, both physical recovery, but also your mental health, your mental recovery. 
Yeah. Wow. Having that data is so important. I've got an Aura ring, so it tracks it there. And it's been incredible to see. It's so much fun. Like every morning, my husband and I wake up and we check our data, we charge our ring and we check our data and we're like, what does yours say? And he's always jealous of mine because I sleep so well. I have really good REM and really good deep sleep. And he's just like, oh, I'm so jealous. But his is definitely improving with the Apollo and with all of the other things that he does as well. So it is really interesting tracking. And now that you have that data and you have the awareness that, oh, I can see that my HRV goes down when I drink red wine, you can then make that conscious decision. Am I going to do this? Am I going to risk my hormones being out of whack, my sleep being not as deep? And then that's your choice. Like you can make that choice. You can go, yep, okay, I'm willing to have a glass of wine and know that that may happen. And maybe not as well. Maybe it's not worth it for you because you know that you don't sleep as well or whatever it is. But then the power's in your hands and it's not external or blaming something else. It's like, you know the data. You will have heard me say many times before that whatever you put on your skin gets absorbed straight into your bloodstream which basically means your skin is eating or drinking any products that you put on it. This is why it's so important to make sure that you are nourishing your skin with clean products like Edible Beauty. But they don't just do skincare, which is awesome, because not only do you want to nourish your outside with their delicious products, you also want to nourish your insides with their amazing wellness products like their beauty teas, elixirs, and gut healing powders. My favorites are Golden Glow and The Sleeping Beauty. A mega bonus is Edible Beauty is environmentally conscious. Their sustainability ethos means the wild-crafted organic ingredients provide the highest level of purity, while their packaging is 100% recyclable. How great is that? Now, right now, you can get 25% off with the code MELISSA. All you have to do is head to ediblebeautyaustralia.com and type Melissa at the checkout. Enjoy nourishing your temple. You mentioned something before, the power of sleep. It blows my mind just how many people have not got sleep under control yet. They have not dialed it in. They don't make it a priority. I have had over 350 guests on this show, right? And one of the most common things that every single expert, every single doctor, every single New York Times bestselling author says is dial in your sleep, like almost every single person, make it a priority. And it blows my mind just how people still don't want to make it a priority. They would rather self-sabotage and stay up watching Netflix until two in the morning or whatever it is that they're doing. Not true. There's actually a physiological reason for that though. So when you watch... Netflix, as an example. No hate on Netflix. Great service. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Late at night. Michael right? if I notice this. You watch it late at night. You're getting stimulated. Your nervous system is getting stimulated by the light, particularly the blue light. And on top of it, the content. I mean, it's noise and a storyline, hopefully. And so you're being engaged in something which is activating you to be awake. Exactly. And this goes for any TV or phone or anything. Watching anything in the evening, it's going to stimulate you. Right. And so I think for a lot of people, the re- you know, you work on a screen for a lot of us and then you want to relax and okay, it's even worse now in a pandemic because what are you going to do? And so a lot of people are just watching another screen and you're getting all the wrong signals for your circadian rhythm. So even if you want to go to sleep, you're kind of in that state where you're tired, but you're overtired because you're stimulated and groggy and you're not able to do that wind down. So Apollo is one good way. Limiting your screen time at night is a really important way to also regulate your circadian rhythms. But one thing that I recently learned from another neuroscientist is that if you go outside in the morning, particularly it's very important in the winter in the Northern hemisphere, because we have so little daylight in the winter is to go outside very early in the morning, like as soon as you can, sunrise is best, but as soon as you can to get the natural light because the natural light signals your brain to start producing serotonin and to stop producing melatonin so that you feel more awake. And then likewise at night, 
to go outside and watch sunset or to watch the sun go down because it triggers your melatonin and it helps to naturally regulate your sleep cycle. The other cool thing I learned was you can't get make vitamin D through a window. So you have to go outside to get the UVB light in order to make vitamin D. So if you're feeling blue and stressed out and your sleep's dysregulated, get outside even if it's cold. Because even a cloudy day is better than being inside or light from a window. So those are some new things I learned about balancing the circadian rhythm, which I think is always important. But in wintertime, a lot of people have a hard time with that. So important. Yeah. And open your windows, get the fresh air in, open the curtains, push them back and just get as much airflow into your home or your office as possible. Where we used to live, we used to be able to see the sun rise from our balcony in the morning. So we would walk out there and do some sun gazing and get that sun on our skin first thing in the morning. It was beautiful. Now where we live, we can't see the sunrise, but we do go out onto our balcony and get that fresh air and that sun on our skin. It's so important. These are just such easy, free things that you can do that make such a huge difference. Another one is wearing blue blocking glasses in the evening. Really important. So, so important for your circadian rhythm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the physically watching of sunrise. It's really just get light as soon as you can so that that you don't need to take, drink as much coffee or take in as much stimulants. Because I forgot what the figure is, but it was like 80% of people who drink coffee also drink alcohol. 80% of people who use a stimulant in the morning also use a depressant at night. So we're all on the Elvis diet. diet. So I think it's better to go outside and get some sun and drink a little less coffee. That would also help your sleep later in the day. And it's funny, it's like even people, I think it's caffeine as a four-hour half-life. Am I right, Dave? I think so. But that means that it's like just usually starting to wear off for before most people go to bed if they drink it in the morning. Right. Yeah. If you have that second cup in the afternoon, even if you think coffee doesn't affect me, yes, it does. Yeah. And it's expensive. Wine and coffee are expensive. So you're saving money and you're also saving your health and your hormones and your sleep and everything. So it's like, why do we do this? Why do humans do these things that they know aren't necessarily serving them and supporting them? Yet we still go back. It's that habit. It's that addiction. But what I want to encourage everyone listening to do is just try it. Try living without coffee and alcohol for a week or a month and just tune into your body and see how you feel. Try going to bed earlier. Try not watching TV or being on your phone in the evening. Try blue blocking glasses. Try the Apollo. Try meditation. Try breath work. Try all of these incredible things that we have at our fingertips to help bring our body back into homeostasis, to decrease the stress in our body and see how you feel. People say to me, Melissa, how have you meditated twice a day, 20 minutes twice a day for 10 years? And I'm like, it feels so good. So why would I not do it? Like for me, it's just like, it just feels good. I love it. I love the feeling. So I'm going to keep doing it. I think it's crazy that we do things that we know don't feel good for us, yet we keep doing them over and over again. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking for a state change, right? So I am tired and I need to feel awake. I'm distracted and I need or bored and I need to feel more focused or more engaged or I'm wound up and I can't get to sleep. And they use a substance to help accelerate them entering the state that they want to be in. Or I'm with people and I'm a little nervous and I want to be social. Yes, that's what I used to do. I used to drink before I went out because it gave me confidence. Right, because you were a little bit uninhibited. Right. And so that's actually one of the interesting things that we've seen with Apollo is that people use Apollo to use their own natural ability to state change, right? To be more energetic through their sense of touch. And then inadvertently, people start to taper down how much they drink in terms of alcohol. They stop needing as much coffee. And so we've seen also that, in addition to what you're talking about with your husband, where it helps him fall asleep, is it also by helping reduce how many stimulants and depressants, how much alcohol and caffeine people are consuming as you know, common example, people actually are starting to use the Apollo and it's also helping them balance their circadian rhythm. 
Amazing. Right? And bring that balance back. And so we see, you know, a lot of interesting health outcomes. It really is like bringing you back to a state where you have more balance and control. And then you can start making choices that would have seemed kind of annoying or hard to do when you were tired and not feeling very good. Yeah. The two little things I'll add to that, which was very well said by you both, are, you know, the two things after studying chronic stress for the last 15 years that I have learned from all of this work is number one, that the, the main cause for us feeling bad and not overcoming the challenges of stress are spending more time than we have, more of our time, more percentage-wise of our times thinking about things we cannot control than thinking about things that we can control. That's, that's number one. And then number two is, is, you know, what you guys were just talking about, about, you know, making sure that, that people understand, everybody understands that this is a rhythm thing. You know, this is not, this is not, it's, it's, I know it's like, we talk about it like it's rocket science and it's all like nebulous and kind of confusing. And part of it is I think we haven't found the right words to describe this the body to people and and why things dysfunction and things dysfunction for two reasons. One, we pay attention to things that we can't control more than the things we can. And number two, we don't have a rhythm. And the, anything that we can do, again, Apollo is not a replacement for medication or meditation. It is an adjunct. It is a complement that can help us access these these other states of consciousness that we normally can access for free, but maybe haven't been taught how to do we can access them with different tools. And so integrating as many tools as we can into our lives, like seeing the sunrise, like seeing the sunset, like surrounding ourselves by relaxing stimuli at night and energizing stimuli during the day and drinking less coffee and drinking less alcohol all the time, but drinking it occasionally just because we enjoy it, that all serves to contribute to a much more robust rhythm that then dramatically enhances our resilience so that when stress comes, we have a rhythm to fall back on. Right? Yeah, beautiful. What other rituals and little habits do you guys do? Talk us through your day. You know, what are the little things that you guys do that really help you thrive? Well, Dave and I both get up pretty early. We used to be night owls, <laughs> both of us, but we get up pretty early. And that's really ne- work necessitates that we get up pretty early, right? So we get up early. We get as much daylight as we can early in the morning, try to exercise or get some movement in early in the morning. I think one of the most important things that we do that really creates structure for the whole day is we go over each other's schedules and when we're going to see each other again and when we're going to stop working and also what each of us has as top the three top priorities for the day. And when we both understand each other's priorities, you know, things in life happen, right? Some random person may be coming to the door or whatever it is. And if we know where people, where each other are in terms of our schedule and what our priorities are for the day, we can kind of help each other out. Like if I have a lighter day, I can help Dave out with some things that he might need, like lunch, if he's so busy, he can't eat. And then vice versa, Dave will sometimes come in when I'm back to back during the day and all of a sudden I've got a snack. And so it helps us be really accountable to each other and also help us be more helpful to one another because we know what you know, we, we really understand where that person's going to be throughout the day and what they're going to be working on and why we're going to be working on those things. And then in the evening, we come back together, you know, and usually make dinner and try to not watch TV. I mean, a lot of it's like, listen, we have amazing, Dave and I are big music lovers. I don't know if you can tell, but from what we've been talking about, I mean, when we came up with Apollo, a lot of it was inspired by music, right? And our response to that but you can't carry music everywhere you go, right? You can't always be listening to music. And so Apollo was a great way to get the same benefits, but through touch. And so we listen to a lot of music and try to unwind. And I definitely wear my blue blocking glasses. <laughs> I'd have them on now, but I'd look a little goofy. <laughs> you need to get my pair. The reason why I can't have them on is because the light behind my computer f- reflects in them. But these are my blue blocks. The Melissa collection, which I really like. I think they're cool. Oh, nice. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. There we go. I'll send you a link to them so you can check it out. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's pretend you guys have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. 
what book would you choose? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And normally, I would never say this normally, but my mom just wrote a book. And it's like the thing that she's been wanting to do her whole life. She's a doctor, she's a neurologist, and she's been, you know, seeing patients and very busy her whole life. But she grew up in the prairies in Canada with uh, an immigrant Jewish family and faced a lot of the challenges of growing up post-Holocaust in Canada. And she wrote a book about that that is actually written in large part for high school level and because it talks about facing adversity as a young person. What's it called? It's called Prairie Sonata. Okay, cool. And it's out now? It just came out. Prairie Sonata by Sandra Sheffrin Raven. We'll link to it in the show notes. Honestly, I was going to say the same thing, Dave, but I really love that book because you know, when we are children and we learn things in history class, I remember when I learned about some really hard things, you know, when I was about 13 years old and, you know, they were hard to understand, right? Because they were so different. And what is really from our perspective, right? And what's really interesting about Prairie Sonata is that it tells the story from the first person perspective of a young girl going from about 10 years old, well, maybe nine years old to about 13 years old, as she comes to terms with that the world is not perfect and fun and kind and loving as the world she grows up in. And you watch her come to terms with it from her perspective. And so I think it would be a really, it's written for young adults. I actually think if for high school students, I think that that is a lovely book. And it's about resilience, talking about something that we think in a way, telling the story in a way that I think we don't tell enough as it is, because people think that in large part, there are a lot of people who think that like we're, we're in a lot of places in the world, we're post-racist, we're post-antisemitism, like we've moved on, but we certainly have not, you know, it's clear, especially in the United States right now, that we are really struggling with a lot of inequity and a lot of a lot of prejudice and racism that still exists in, in young people as well as in older generations. And it's something that is clearly, I think, not taught well enough from the from a kid's perspective and how to overcome stress and still maintain our humanity throughout. I have a lot of other great book recommendations, but I just don't think they're high school level. I think they're like college level. Um, And if you want a great college level recommendation, I will just drop my most favorite book of all time, which is Eric Kandel's autobiography, which is called In Search of Memory. Eric Kandel won the Nobel Prize in 2000 for discovering how we learn. And that book was more life-changing for me personally than any other book I've ever read. In reading his story, and I also don't really like autobiographies, but reading his extraordinarily well-written autobiography, it tells the story of how we learn going back all the way to ancient ancient animals that he studied in the lab in the uh, 20th century. So it's really, really incredible. And it's, and it's a read that you don't need a biology degree or anything like that to understand. Wow. Cool. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you for that, guys. I have three rapid fire questions for you each now. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> all right. Dave, you can answer them first and then Catherine. Okay. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Breathe. Got to breathe. It's the single most important thing that we can do in any moment to regain control of our experience. And if you're going to do two things, it would be breathe and then immediately express gratitude for being able to breathe. And those two things are two of the most important tools that can help us recenter ourselves and restore balance in ourselves in any moment that we need it. Beautiful. And Catherine? Well, he got the good ones. So some other ones, I would say move, particularly stretch, right? Definitely move your body because I can't remember what study it was, but they did exercise versus SSRIs and found that exercise can help depression, if not the same as better than medication in a lot of cases. So You know, we don't all have to be like Instagram fitness models, but moving around definitely is going to help our well-being. Awesome. Love those tips, guys. Next one. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Focus. And going back to your book question, I think Start With Why is a book that I read very early on. And I think also your question about what do we do to set off the day 
we go over what our top priorities are, but also why we have those priorities. And I think if you spend time really intentionally identifying how you spend your time and why you're spending your time on what you're on what you've chosen to do and it's intentional, the outcome is much greater. I feel like a lot of people go from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting or they go from thing to thing and you get a lot done, but you don't move. You don't move in a direction well. And you don't make as much progress as you want to. And really tapping in with why, what's your purpose, what's your intention, you know, in all things really helps you hone your focus and hone all your energy into where you want it to go. Love it. Dave? I would say probably the most important thing that I can think of in this regard is listening and really prioritizing, you know, building meaningful connections with people around you and listening to what they have to say. Not listening, waiting to say something that you want to say and not listening, waiting to have an answer for what their problem is they're telling you about. Just sitting there, being present with them, trying to put yourself in their shoes and see the world from their eyes and just listen to the words that they have to say and what in an undivided way. And what ultimately we find out is that people, when we talk to them in this way, with undivided listening and undivided attention, oftentimes we end up getting a lot of the answers that we have for things that we're struggling with and things that we're working on. And then we also are much more likely to make close, meaningful friendships. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And last one, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for my go-to for this because I think this is, you know, really critical and something that I use with all of my clients, every single one. And I've used with in my own journey of self-healing has been the four pillars of South American tribal medicine, which are self-gratitude, self-forgiveness, self-compassion, and self-love as skills that build the foundation of trust in ourselves and love in ourselves. And if we love ourselves and really truly learn to love ourselves by practicing these techniques of gratitude, forgiveness, and self-compassion, then we end up learning to love ourselves unconditionally and without hesitation or reservation. And that allows us to show true love to others in our lives. Beautiful. Catherine? Mine is fairly similar, maybe phrased a little differently, which is you know, if you are strained and don't feel well and aren't sleeping well, you're not going to put out good energy into the world. You're going to be a little testy or groggy or, you know, mopey. You're not going to be how you want to be. And so by taking care of yourself, you are able to come to your relationships whole And that's really important because oftentimes in relationships, there's a lot of beauty, but sometimes there's some conflict. And when the conflict happens, oftentimes that conflict is not about you. And when you're stressed, it's a lot easier to make it seem like it's about you and get defensive and have conflict with people. And so I think it's really important in relationships to take care of yourself so that you're whole and even and a good listener and calm so that you can be resilient in relationships and and give back and support them when they need when they have a hard time because a lot of people right now are having a hard time and so it's really important that we take care of ourselves and of each other mm, beautiful advice thank you guys that was gorgeous is there anything else you want to share any last parting words of wisdom or anything you wanted to talk about that i didn't get to ask you i mean i'll uh, i don't know what Catherine thinks about that i'll just say one thing which is number 1 Really, really appreciate you having us and working with our crazy schedules during this crazy year to make this happen. We really appreciate it. And number two, I think that something that's really important that we don't talk enough about that I know I didn't learn in medical school is that we are born with in our in our binds, in our brains, physically and in our bodies, a pathway, like a nervous system pathway, the same way our brain connects to our muscles, that is in charge of empathy. And this nervous system pathway is literally hardwired, evolved into us over millions of years. And we're not the only animals that have it. And we can choose to activate it and practice it, using it or not. But we all have it. And I I hear a lot of the time with my patients, whether or with people that I've worked with, that they don't believe they have the ability to be empathetic. They don't believe they have the ability to, to really care about themselves or others. 
And I think it's really important for everyone to know that as, as dark as times get, as difficult and challenging as times get, we have built in us, hardwired the ability to feel for ourselves, the ability to feel for others and to connect to others at all times, and the ability to connect with ourselves at all times. And that that those pathways that are evolved in us, those, those nervous system pathways are directly tied to this ability for us to heal ourselves. And some of the, we don't have time to get into this, but a lot of the work around psychedelic medicines involves helping teach people how to activate this part of their self-healer, our internal inner healer, that we may not have been taught to use in the past, but it's still there. And so I just want people to know that regardless of what you might have been taught, our brains and our bodies have this ability and all it takes is us practicing it to get better at it. And we can start doing that anytime, even starting right now. Just and the, studies, practice, the better we get. And studies show that the more stressed out you are, the less empathy you show and the less ability to read other people's emotions you have. Because the more likely you are to score on the autism spectrum. <laughs> that was the study. Yeah, they compared people who had no disorder that were very, very stressed and burnt out. And they were showing signs of, yes according to that scale, not having standard empathy skills. So not sleeping well and being very strained and not taking control over that stress actually can impede your ability to have healthy relationships because, because it, it makes you not able to relate. And so- prioritize it because it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not survival, right? Like how is this relationship going to help me survive these emails right now? <laughs> like, Get out of here. Don't interrupt me. I have things to do. Yeah. Work is all that matters. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, again, you know, bringing it back, there are ways to get back into control. And the free ones like meditation and breathing and yoga and exercise are all wonderful. And, and you know, and then there are other tools that are, you know, like Apollo, which is a digital therapeutic, right? That helps you stimulate you, right? So that you can give yourself basically a, a boost to get back into a parasympathetic state and to help facilitate those other practices. And there are other ones too, like aromatherapy and light therapy and music therapy, you know, like enjoy having enjoyable sensations, nice internal environment. So treat yourself, I think is the answer. Treat yourself on the things that actually make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, this has been so epic. I've loved it. This has inspired me so much. I'm going to steal back my Apollo from my husband. You guys are helping so many people. You are serving so many people. So I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to serve you guys and give back to you today. Well, I don't generally ask for much. Get some sleep and maybe sit on a, for one moment. doesn't need to be for very long and take a long deep breath through your nose and just feel that sensation of your inhalation and exhalation and know that you are alive and that's amazing it's so amazing and you guys are amazing this has been amazing thank you so much for taking the time for creating this incredible product and for sharing it with the world you guys are awesome oh thank you so much for having us this was really fun thank you Since recording this episode and then recording this outro, I have received my Apollo device. So Nick doesn't have to hog the other one anymore. And I have been wearing it daily and I love it and I definitely feel the benefits. I wear it during the day and then also in my meditations, during yoga and also sleep with it on. And I love it. And I really do think it is having such an impact on my sleep and my stress levels. So check it out. And if you got a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And speaking of review of the week, I want to read this week's review of the week. And it's a five-star review from Jenna Crow. And it's titled, I'm Binge Listening. And Jenna says, I tuned in for the latest podcast and now I'm binge listening more. Thanks for bringing such interesting and empowering podcasts, Melissa. You are so welcome, Jenna. Thank you for that beautiful five-star review. And as a little thank you, I want to gift you one of my top four 
favorite products, and that is some goodies from Organifi. So all you have to do is email hello at melissaambrosini.com with your address and we will send you over those goodies. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top three key takeaways from this episode because I absolutely love reading what you get out of each show. So please come and share that with me. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 328. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.